reading today is from two readings, one from Mark 2, starting at 23, and then Deuteronomy 5, starting at verse 12. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Lord, Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Second reading from Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male or female slave, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Dan. Well, good morning. In case we haven't met before, my name is Paddy, uh, one of the curates here. It is a pleasure to be with you. So I'm going to quickly pray, and we'll crack on, as it were. So, Father, we thank you for being who you are. We thank you for your word that remains alive and active. May it continue to pierce us and transform us at the depths of our being. So as I speak generally, would you, by your spirit, speak to us specifically this morning? We pray. Amen. So what if I told you that you weren't enough? What if I told you that actually you were not perfect just the way you are? What if I told you that you don't have all that you need 
Today, I want to share with you an invitation to Sabbath. An invitation to Sabbath, this practice in which for one day a week, we do no work. Because we don't have all we need by ourselves. And we are not perfect just the way we are by ourselves. And we are not enough by ourselves, but rather when we embrace and practice and celebrate the Sabbath, we are reminded about who God is. And ultimately, we're reminded of the good news that we are not in this alone. So this morning, talking about Sabbath. Couldn't help but feel a certain sense of um, irony as a few weeks ago, I was telling you to give up all your food Um, The weeks preceding that, we were telling you to give up all your money. 40 days of prayer and fasting, we're just like giving up everything. And now I'm telling you to give up a day a week as well. I didn't plan the preaching rotor. can take this up with someone else maybe. (laughs) But ultimately, it comes down to the call. Actually, I want to present the fact that Sabbath is a gift to us if we would just accept the invitation. So what is Sabbath? I'm not an etymologist, didn't study Hebrew or Greek, but I come to understand that Sabbath comes from the Greek word Shabbat. So often we'll talk about having a Shabbat meal, essentially a meal that marks the Sabbath. But Sabbath is a verb, it's a doing word. It is to rest, to stop, to cease. And my personal favorite, Sabbath is to be complete. It's one day a week to be set apart where there's no work, Because ultimately, Sabbath is a gift. And as we heard in the reading of Mark, Sabbath wasn't like something that we must observe, but rather it was made for our benefit. Jesus said it was made for humankind. You go on that reading, or you just read through the Gospels, you find that actually on Sabbath, that's when Jesus worked the most, it seemed. That's when Jesus' healing, his kingdom broke forth amongst us. So Sabbath isn't a requirement or a hangover from the Old Testament. It's not just empty rule, but rather it's that place where God heals. It's where the kingdom comes in amongst us. So amongst the the Gospels, it seemed that actually Jesus encountered quite a lot of conflict with the religious leaders, specifically on this topic of observing the Sabbath. It made me question, and it made me question, have the gospel authors marred the image of the Sabbath? Have the gospel authors like painted Sabbath in a negative light? Because it seems as though it's so much to do with like rules and not orientated around God. And even Jesus himself, like many other prophets before him, they seemingly condemned the Sabbath. But I want to clarify, they didn't condemn the Sabbath, but they condemned the misuse of the Sabbath. So like so many other things that are good gifts for humanity, they were abused and misused is where they seem to get condemned. But Jesus, he encountered so much conflict, so much resistance maybe with the Sabbath. So what was it that these religious leaders were trying to protect so dearly? And so we heard the reading in Deuteronomy 5, but you also kind of, hear the account in Exodus 20, 
when, when Moses has just come down from Sinai and he delivers back what we'll now know as the Ten Commandments. And I want to suggest that actually, as Moses is revealing the Ten Commandments, specifically observing the Sabbath, he reveals the Sabbath as a means of tapping into the rhythms of creation. So right on the opening pages of the Bible, see in Genesis 1 and 2, the creation accounts, and then at the end of Genesis 2, it says, you know what, God worked for six days, and then he rested. Obviously, he didn't rest because he needed to. He rested. That was, because, that was his nature. And then God blessed the Sabbath, and he made it holy. God blessed it. Blessing is the life-giving ability to recreate. You read in those opening pages what God blessed was the living creatures, humanity, and the Sabbath. The Sabbath is what holds the ability to bring forth life, life from God. We also made it holy. Some scholars will talk about the principle of firsts, in which like something's significant because it's the first thing, the first time it happens. In Genesis 2, this is the first time that God declares something holy. And it isn't a place or a thing or a person, but it is time itself. God is saying time is holy. Time is to be set apart. So I would suggest, not only in the Ten Commandments in general, but specifically with Sabbath, this ordinance, it is God laying out a blueprint for how Israel are to flourish which I would say is something that isn't reserved for Israel in the, in the past, but rather for humanity in general. It's a blueprint for us to flourish, and Sabbath is a part of that. I heard someone say that not observing Sabbath is not a sin, but it's just plain stupid. Don't hear this as too condemning. It's not a sin, it's just stupid. Has anyone come across the, the British scientist, sleep researcher, Matthew Walker? He wrote a book called Why Sleep Matters. I love it. I heard him being interviewed. Um, actually, I tried listening to the book as an audio book, and it made me fall asleep. <laughs> but like, don't take that as a review. His, his wisdom, his insights are incredible. But he, at the core of his message, what I heard was he essentially said, like, Every single physiological function, every single psychological, emotional function, nothing isn't benefited from resting, from sleeping. Granted, he's not taking this from like a Christian perspective, but I feel as though the same kind of things carry over for us. Everything benefits when we actually stop and rest. And so really, Sabbath is this invitation, in many ways, to imitate God, to imitate the God who who does work, works really hard, creates lots of incredible, wonderful things. But it's to imitate God who also rests at the end of it. Because when we set aside a day and say, actually, you know what, this is going to be holy, we're not going to work on this day, he renews us in that moment. He'll use that to renew it. I read this quote that I found particularly both challenging and also helpful about Sabbath. He said, the creator God is inviting us to join him in this rhythm, 
this interplay of work and rest. And when we don't accept his invitation, we reap the consequences. Fatigue, burnout, anxiety, depression, busyness, starved relationships, worn down immune systems, low energy levels, anger, tension, confusion, emptiness. These are the signs of a life without rest. I want to get through to you. Sabbath to rest is a gift from God. We get to step into his rhythms and be renewed by his grace. But more than that, what if Sabbath is also, I read one, one writer, he said, actually, Sabbath is an act of worship, but also rebellious defiance. So I don't know whether, particularly as a teenager, before I met Jesus, I was particularly rebellious, and I wonder whether that's just like instilled in me. I'm sure there's like a few of you I know who can relate to me. In Deuteronomy, Moses, he's... <laughs> appreciate the encouragement. So Sabbath, is, it's an act of worship. It's also just an act of rebellious defiance as well. In Deuteronomy, Moses is preaching to a generation who hasn't, haven't been liberated from Israel, but a generation born in the wilderness who are set to, to be God's holy people in the promised land. So in many ways... Sabbath is a celebration of their liberation. It's a defiance against all the, the structures and the ways of this world which stood against them. Namely, for Israel's salvation history, Pharaoh. Everything that Pharaoh stood for. The way Pharaoh would work slaves seven days a week without break. It's like, sure, you can have hay, but you've got to do that in your own time, and you have to continue doing all the work. There was no break. This is part of the reason why I keep saying Sabbath is still a gift for us now. It's not just something reserved for Israel in their time and place, however many thousand years ago that was. But just as when Dan read Deuteronomy 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 15, he said, like, remember you were a slave. He's talking past tense. Sabbath is a reminder for us all that we have been saved by Jesus. And this common phrase we've been talking about the last few months is, you know what, we have this status that has been won and achieved by Jesus, and we get to rise up into that status. We, need, we get to become who we truly are. I think Sabbath is another means for that. But as I was preparing, I couldn't help but feel like, as much as I keep talking about the fact that Sabbath is a gift but the very fact that I say it's a one day a week where we do no work, it kind of makes people tense up and they shudder at it because I don't think Sabbath is always welcome. I think for some it might even be the least favorite day of the week. I would suggest this reveals our toxic addiction to achievement, to work, to production, and even to consumption as well. This is in many ways why this invitation is so important that we want to do it in like big letters. There is a cautionary tale, rather than saying it's one of my favorite stories, it's definitely one that stands out to me as a cautionary tale. At the end of 2 Timothy, Timothy references one of his old traveling partners, missionary buddies, Demas, 
who in previous letters he talked about as like being with him and like working with him, one of his co-laborers. But he said, Demas, because he loved the world, he has deserted me. Sabbath is a gift, isn't something to be avoided. But we have this addiction to achievement, to work, to production. And in many ways, we take on the role of Pharaoh and Israel at the same time, in which we are both the oppressor and the oppressed, as challenging as that is. So we cry out to be rescued, but we look up into the mirror and find the tyrannic oppressor staring back at us. Like I said, Deuteronomy 5.15, it says, remember that you were slaves. Remember that you were slaves. I grew up in the South in America, in Georgia. People don't forget things like that. Things like slavery, it shapes people. I'm sure there are countless other things which God does not ordain, which shapes who you are. And although that isn't your truth now, like that still shapes you. And I say this because people don't need to be reminded that they were slaves because of their forgetfulness. The Bible's not ignorant to that. But rather, I want to suggest that Moses' message was not to remember that you were slaves, but don't forget that you're not a slave anymore. That's the, that's the fundamental gist of it. But it's not something reserved just for Israel. I think we all need to be reminded of that same truth, that we're not slaves anymore. The rhetoric in the New Testament is constantly Paul comparing like, the new self to the old self. You read through it and it's like, that, that's who I once was, but that's not who I am now in Jesus. And so when he writes to all these different communities, he's just like, don't go back there. Just like keep pressing forward to take hold of the prize that is Jesus. So he says, remember that you were slaves, but not anymore. That truth doesn't define us anymore. So Sabbath, like a day of the week that we get to say, you know what, actually, I'm not a slave to my work or achievement. That's not what defines me, not by my production or my consumption, but rather because of Jesus and Jesus alone. Because a, like, a bit like fasting, it is drawing a line in the sand. Saying, you know what, actually, so don't hear this as like vilifying work. I chat to many of you, and you love your work, which I think is a good thing. Like, work is a gift and a privilege to many. It brings joy, it brings life. But as good a thing as work is, work isn't the thing. That's the core distinction I want to make. Sabbath reminds us that actually, like, work isn't the thing. Jesus is the thing the one thing that I can trust on, the one thing I can fall back on, the one thing that actually defines me as a solid foundation for my life. Because work wasn't enough to save us before and it's not going to be enough to save us now or tomorrow. But Jesus is. He was, he is, he will be. All these promises we have, they're not just empty rhetoric, they're the truth. So Sabbath is an invitation to Remember that we're not slaves anymore, but rather we are free 
Or as Paul puts it when he writes to Romans in chapter 8, he says, actually, no, we've received this spirit of adoption, so we are sons and daughters, not slaves anymore. And that's what the Spirit leads us into, that truth. We get to receive salvation more and more on Sabbath. So just like in Mark, it's weird that reading it kind of goes across chapter 2 and 3. The start of chapter 3 actually is another occasion where Jesus heals on the Sabbath because healing is something characteristic on the day which you set aside not for work and achievement and what I can do, but rather on what he does. It's not a potential of what he can do. This is his nature. This is the God who heals. This is the one we set aside a day for to celebrate. Deuteronomy also reminds us, actually, as we receive, we get to share and give as well. So just as you've received rest, actually bring that rest to those around you. Just as you have received love, God has poured it into your hearts. Love others. Just as you have received healing, salvation, been set free, actually you are to be a conduit, a minister, like a, a mediator for that same thing as you point people to Jesus, as you bring Jesus wherever you are, often into your workplace. Actually, Sabbath spills over into you. your other five, six days a week. It's because of what happens on the Sabbath, then you can go in to your workplace or wherever it is for you and bring life. We remember God, and in turn, he transforms us by his grace, by his nature. So hopefully I've unpacked a bit of, you know, what Sabbath is, like why Sabbath is so good. But there does come a point when you have to say, well, okay, well, like how are we going to do this? Is the church going to create another leaflet with 40 days of Sabbath? It's like, if only... I think we get a lot more holiday than America does, but I don't think we have enough like, annual leave for that. So how to Sabbath. I need to like, make two disclaimers when we say how to Sabbath. Firstly, these aren't like prescriptive rules that you must do. I want to constantly emphasize the fact that like, Sabbath is an invitation. It's a gift for you to like, whether you choose to take hold of it. It's a bit like Moses in... Deuteronomy 30, he's kind of saying, I, I hold before you life and death, choose life. It's one of those invitations. So you don't have to Sabbath if you don't want to. And the second one, when we say how to Sabbath, with great difficulty. It's just the honest like, evaluation of Sabbath. So... Take James, for instance. James and Danny, they lead one of our KFCs, been leading the service this morning. He comes in with, like, three kids hanging off both arms. And, like, granted, he's strong, but, like, I'd take my hat, I'd take my hat off if I was wearing one. Him and Danny have managed to, like, feed three kids, take one of them to football, like, thaw out your hands, and still make it to church. Like, Sabbath, you achieve Sabbath with great difficulty. How do you observe Sabbath? You fight for it. Sabbath is so inconvenient in today's world, where it is so convenient just to like, go, 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 go. Trivial example, like my wife and I, it's like, oh, the dog's run out of food. 
daughter's run out of nappies. Whatever else has run out, it's like, okay, Amazon Prime, click, click. And before you know it, you've spent like so long doing things and working. You've been robbed of that joy and rest. Technology has made it harder for us to Sabbath. Maybe I am vilifying our smartphones. They are a great tool, but they make horrendous, oppressive masters to us. So as confusing as the book of Hebrews is, like chapter 4 is that sentiment. He says, actually, you know what? You need to strive to enter your rest. It seems like a contradictory statement. We keep talking about our church, like, oh, don't strive. We're not performance-orientated, but you do need to really fight for it to gain that rest. Or some, common, some translations of Hebrews 4 will talk about make every effort to enter that rest. It's this gift laid out before you that you need to make every effort to take hold of. We need to fight for Sabbath. Maybe the question, like, question, example, is like Christmas Day, with all its festivities with our families, it doesn't just happen. Like, we prepare for it. So I would suggest, actually, in our fighting to maintain Sabbath, we need to prepare for our Sabbath. Like, we'll... Some of us, if we're lucky, will work for someone else for five days a week. We'll work for an employer for five days a week, but then there's still loads of chores to do around the house. Instead of to like essentially work for your kids for another day a week, it feels like. So you do need to like spend a day preparing for your Sabbath. It's protecting it. In many ways, you do need to embrace rules. You need to like lay out, actually, what are the non-negotiables for my Sabbath? What if I say, you know what? Like, as long as it is restful and worshipful, then like, it's okay. But everything else doesn't make the cut. So like, for me, I love running. Someone else, like, that's pure torture, and that is not restful. <laughs> Some days I feel the same way, even though I supposedly love it. Like, the same things might not be rest for, for everyone. I get that. Just establish your boundaries and stick to them. But also, Sabbath is not a private affair. It's something to, to be shared, to be lived out, although our, our faith is personal, it is by no means private. And so, like, in both our readings, we kind of get the same gist it's kind of like, you've received something, therefore share it, give it away. We often say that, you know what, we've received God's blessing freely, and freely we want to give it away as well. Sabbath is a great opportunity to practice hospitality, to get in that habit. I was joking with Nick Taylor earlier, kind of one of his big pushes is, like, let's be more evangelistic. What if you're, like, grumpy cranky neighbor from down the road who isn't even a Christian, you say, hey, do you want to join us for our Sabbath, for our Shabbat meal? And you're going to intentionally still like pray to God and thank God. Maybe open the scriptures. And your neighbor is just going to be invited in to this thankfulness and this gratefulness and this love that you're receiving from God. And hopefully us like colanders will just release God's love like water that flows out the holes. Does that sound all right? If a bit challenging. 
there's this poem by, I think it's an American lady, called Marianne Williams, called Our Deepest Fear. And she, she kind of finishes it with this line, and she says, because as we are liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others. So it's just the very fact that actually we get to be in God's presence, enjoy his rest. So when we invite other people just to be around us, the aim is that we are so full of love and rest and peace, it can't help but be spilled out and affect other people. If you constantly use the imagery of like God's blessing like water pouring in on you, our prayer and our desire is that we would be so saturated that we can't help but get those around us wet as well. And my final thing is just practice it. Because practice doesn't make perfect. Because the life that we've been practicing for however many decades, years, we've conditioned ourselves for something else which often isn't God's rest. Because actually, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So we need to embrace the clunkiness, the unnatural element of maybe on a Sabbath, you're going to like reach to do something, you have to stop halfway through. A bit like fasting when I'm still reaching for the coffee jar or the biscuit tin. You just have to catch yourself. Let it form you. Someone described Sabbath this way. They said, the Sabbath isn't a cold, arbitrary rule we choose to obey. Sabbath is a life-giving art form that we get to practice. What if we see Sabbath as an art form that really our desire is just to master it in some way? Because when we master it, we are the recipients of that joy, of that peace, of all that God wants to pour into our lives. If you want one final challenging tip, advice, someone once said, when they're thinking about Sabbath, they follow the one, one, one rule. And actually, they want to rest. They want to stop from something one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year. It's like an example of turning off your phone. I can do an hour a day while I'm awake. Like, sleeping doesn't count. Like, one day a week is a bit of a push. But even, like, one week a year, like, that's a real challenge. And you can replace your phone with any other thing. But imagine, like, when we make that choice, how much God is then going to fill us as well. <clears throat> so I hope this, we can see that the Sabbath is a gift. It's an invitation towards this gift as well. Where we get to remember what we're made for. We're made for God's rest. Augustine said essentially something to the effect of we were made for God and apart from him we are nothing but restless but it is in God that we find our true home he put it much more articulate even the English translators put it more articulate than that so brothers and sisters let's remember that we've been saved 
We've been saved for God, we've been saved from slavery, and we've been saved towards rest and so many other things. So should we stand?